Why are you cast down, O my soul? Have you cried out these words before? Have you felt the pain and sorrow of life? Have you been gripped by sadness? Has your body failed you at point because your soul feels so crushed and weighed down? Well, if you're agreeing with my statements there, if you've cried out as the psalmist did in Psalm 43, why are you cast down, O my soul? You're not alone. You're living in the world that has fallen due to sin. You're living in the world where everyone, maybe at different levels, different responses to it, but each and every person in here has had, or will have, a downcast soul. This morning, I want us to examine this idea. If every human in existence experiences the same thing, to include Christians, then let us look for the solution to this problem. Why are you downcast, O my soul? The words in which we'll examine this morning will come out of Revelation 5, verses 1 through 10. I encourage you to turn your Bibles and open up to there a while. But before we get there, we need to understand and comprehend what is the downcast soul. If everyone experiences it, you can relate to the psalmist crying out, but maybe you can't put the words to it. Maybe the downcast isn't that common of a phrase that we use in society today. So let us understand what it means to be downcast. Let us find out what causes our souls to be downcast. And then let us find the response. How we lift the soul from the pit that it's in up into the heavens with our Lord. So what does it mean to be downcast? Well, just general English synonyms for this word is dejected, gloomy, despondent, brokenhearted, miserable, wretched, grief-stricken, sad, crushed. Can you relate to some of those? Are you starting to, to notice some of these words? One of the challenges with, with humanity is we all express downcastedness in different ways. And we can all experience the same situation and respond in different ways. And we can all say, yes, my soul is cast down. I am sad in this moment. But we can never fully understand one another's sadness. Our response, how we understand it, is each different and unique for each individual person. But regardless, all of us have experienced this feeling before. Not only is it a feeling, it's not just the emotion we have. Sometimes we, we limit to our emotions or to sadness to just this one category of who we are as beings. But we're created with both a soul and a body, right? The, the body isn't dead. The body isn't non-existent just because we have a soul. And, and the downcasted soul actually affects our bodies. Some of you may be very well aware of this. You may be living in this reality right now or have recently, have you ever been so saddened, so stricken by the wrath, so stricken by the, the wretched world we live in, that your body aches, physically hurts, that, that you can't even get out of bed at times, that, that your, your stomach moans and, and groans with pains, you can't eat a single meal 
because you're just that saddened by a situation. I believe when the psalmist cries out here, this is the kind of language he's using. Recognize he's asking the question, why are you cast down, O my soul? He wants to know what, what has happened here. Why do I feel this way? Why is my body responding this way? And why does it hurt so much? I think there's a few causes for our souls to be cast down, for us to be saddened in this world. I have four here. We're actually going to talk about five. And to be fair, we won't, we won't reach and talk about each and every one of them. This is just a glimpse of some of the, the reasons that we are saddened in society, while, why our, our souls are cast down. The first one is death or loss. This one we, many of us can relate to very quickly. Some of the, the most agonizing pain and sadness we have as Christians is when we lose a loved one, a friend, a neighbor. Not even that. Sometimes we, we read the news and we feel the pain and the loss of, of the world around us. We see wars happening and, and this idea that there's death and there's famine and that people are dying. We, we become saddened by it, deeply pained by it. Brothers and sisters, this isn't foreign to you. This is, this is how we are created. This is a, a, a correct response to death. You don't have to turn there, but in 2 Samuel, we see two instances where, where the king, David himself, is stricken. His soul is cast down because of the loss of a family member. Actually, both are his sons. I think this unique one comes out of 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 33. What's so unique about this is it's David is crying out in pain because he's lost his son, but it's also the same son that has been challenging and persecuting David, that David actually had to run away and flee from Absalom. But listen to the words of King David as he cries out in verse 33, And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I have died instead of you, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Have some of you cried that same language? Have you felt the pain of a loss of a loved one? A spouse? Children? A friend? May we recognize that our souls are gripped with pain in such a situation. Second possible cause of our souls to be cast down is sin. I think that's a, a bit too general because the, the idea that we have sadness at all, that our souls are cast down is because of the sin-stricken world, that we live in a world that has fallen into sin. Since the fall of humanity, sin has entered the world and has brought on the downcast soul. But we see in Psalm 6, actually Psalm 32, let's turn there, or, or you can just listen. Psalm 32, we hear the cry, once again, of David crying out, out of pain and agony. Sadness because of his own sin. Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. David's expression, expressing this physical pain he has because of his sin. He feels the judgment of God upon him. And it, it 
makes his soul cry out in pain. His body experiences pain. Have you been there, brothers and sisters? Has your sin caused you pain? Has your sin caused you to be saddened, wretched, downcasted? Have you felt the crushing weight of your sin bearing upon you at times? For many of us, this was the moment that we came to faith in Christ, that we, we felt the weight of our sin, we felt the pain that it brought to our souls, and we looked to Christ and we found hope in Him alone. But even as Christians, even as those that have faith in Christ, we still, at times, feel the sadness and the weight of our sin. Have you committed a sin and, and you recognize after the situation you've gotten in an argument with your spouse, you responded incorrectly, and as you leave that situation, you feel gripped by it, you're saddened by it, you feel as though your, your life is worthless, you feel as though you are worthless, you feel that there's no hope, or maybe you're like myself and you're, as you're about to fall asleep, you start to think about some foolish thing you did back in middle school many, many, many years ago. And you think, oh, that's so foolish, yet that idea of that sin many years ago still grips you in some ways, still weighs down upon you. Well, you're not alone. We see that this is the natural and correct response to sin, is for our souls to be cast down, to be saddened. One of the things I hope you hear me repeating in this is that sadness, the downcast soul, the, the feeling of the weight of the sadness, being brokenhearted in itself is not sin. Please hear me. If you have the downcast soul today or you do in the future, that is not a sin. How do we know this? Our Lord Jesus Himself wept at the loss of his friend. In that moment, he was saddened and stricken by the death of Lazarus. Sadness itself is not a sin. Now our responses to it, our responses with our downcast souls can be sinful responses, but being sad itself, we don't need to go, oh, I need to repent of being sad. That is not what we see in Scripture. Sadness itself is not sinful. It's a natural and correct response to the events and the things happening around us. The third possible cause for our souls to be cast down is persecution. The attacks of the enemy. The attacks of, of uh, adversaries that want to harm us, that want to bring us down. We read in Psalm 69, verses 1 through 3, once again, David's writing this. He says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. This idea of waters he's using as the imagery of the enemy. That the enemy is, is right up against him. That, that if it gets any higher, if the enemy gets any closer, any more powerful, it will take him down. Verse 2 reads, I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim and with waiting for my God. Have you felt such persecution in your life at times that you're, you're just saddened by it? Have you had that boss that every day you go in, you get belittled, you get mocked, they doubt you can do your job as you're supposed to? Do you feel the weight of that bringing down your soul into the pits? 
Or have you had actual attacks? Has the enemy of Christ, has the enemy of God attacked God's people? Have you felt the mockery for your faith? Have you been sitting in class and as they're, they're explaining how the world perfectly works because your professors and your teachers have it all figured out and they're saying, no, what you read in Scripture can't be true. You must understand and believe what we're teaching because we know best. Have you felt the attacks and you, just, you start to be saddened by this? You start to feel the, the grief of it coming upon you as the enemy attacks, attacks your faith, attacks your identity in Christ. That's the right response, that you're saddened and your soul is cast down. Fourthly, what's a possible cause of our souls to be cast down? This is a very general one. I think it it, it just encapsulates everything that's possibly there is just trials. Trials of living. Trials of being in this world. We see in Job chapter 3, verse 25 and 26, it reads, For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. It's just the general nature of the world we live in bring us and cast our souls down at times. Parents, does the fact that your toddler cries and fusses and won't eat the pizza that they just asked for two minutes ago cause you to just... Be saddened. Maybe that's just a personal experience that I speak of. What about just, just the general idea that when you read the newspaper, if anyone does that, if you read online, just that this world appears to be falling apart. You just you get depressed. You get downcasted. Your soul falls into the pit. It's the trials of life, the fact that you, you wake up every day, you go to your job every day, and you come back, and it's just Groundhog's Day. It's just on repeat over and over again, and this just wears on you and bears you down. We see that just generally, the trials that we face, the troubles we have in this world, will bring our souls down. And the fifth one, that I don't have a, a, a line there on your outline to, to work, but We need to address this and be very honest with one another. Sometimes, and maybe often, we have no idea why our souls are cast down. There's not a specific situation. There's not one event. There's not a specific person that has caused us this grief. You just wake up and and, and you just feel it. For whatever reason, you can't identify it, but your soul is cast into this pit. You feel the gloom of it just reigning over you. And I don't find anywhere in Scripture that we have to find the reason for why our souls are cast down. I I think we have the right, and we actually see in Psalm 43, the evidence that we can cry out to God and ask why. Please, brothers and sisters, cry out to the Lord and ask, why is my soul cast down? Why do I feel this way? Why does my body ache? Why do I just have these thoughts that are on repeat in my mind? Why, why, why? And I want you to realize that you're not alone when you make those cries. You're not alone when you mourn and weep for the loss of a loved one. You're not alone when you mourn and and feel downcasted over your sin. You're not alone when the attacks of the enemy cause you to, to get into this dark 
place. You're not alone when the trials of the world just weigh you down. The trials of everyday life make you become sad and crushed. You're not alone. You can look at every one person in here. You can look at the, the oldest person that's been walking with Christ the longest, and they will have a similar experience because their soul, too, has been cast down. You're not alone, brothers and sisters. Have I painted a dark picture for us? Have we recognized that we live in a world that is broken? Have you, have you connected and said, yes, I've been here. Yes, I'm there right now. Yes, I know tomorrow when I wake up, my soul will be cast down. I know that I will be sad. I know this is who I am. Have I painted that picture for you? Well, let us find the solution. That's what we want, right? We want the solution to our problems. So how do we lift up the downcasted soul? What's the answer here? Some of us may not like this answer. This answer is a bit of the Sunday school, right? This is what you hear in Sunday school. What's the answer? Jesus. What's the answer? Faith. And we want something more. No, no, give me, give me a list of things to do. Give me a list of five self-help books that I can read tonight so that tomorrow when I wake up, I won't be sad. Give me a list of songs to listen to so that as I'm mourning over the death of someone, I, I'm a little bit happier. That's what we want. That's what our human flesh desires, but let me tell you what your soul needs. Your soul needs to look upon God. Your soul needs to hope in God. That's what the psalmist writes. I misprinted this here. It's not Psalm 42. It's Psalm 43, verse 5, is where I've been citing, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Do you want to hear the response? The response is not, the reason your soul is cast down is because of loss. The reason your soul is cast down because of sin. It's not because of persecution. It's not because of trials. It's not because we don't know. The response he gets, and the response the psalmist writes, is why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. That's what we're going to examine this morning is how do we lift the soul out of the deep, dark pit of the cast-down soul and the deep, dark pit of sadness? How do we lift it up? Is hope in God. Now, brothers and sisters, there's a, there's a key thing we must realize and think about as we do this. There's a saying in the army is that the army owns the night. The idea there is that we, uh, the military, U.S. military, spends the most amount of money on technology. That's where your tax dollars are going to. And every single soldier in the army, regardless of their rank, regardless of their job, has night vision goggles, which allows them to see in the dark. No other army in all of the world, even the top-notch armies, that every single soldier has vision in the dark. And this idea is that the, the military owns the night, that if they go into battle, they're going to win the battle in the dark because they're the only ones that can see. Well, let me... Let me say this, as Christians, because of Christ, we don't just own the dark, we have the victory over the dark. We have control over the dark. We have the, the lenses of the gospel. Night vision goggles is, is the multi-thousand dollars that each pair of those are, are worthless when we put on the goggles of Christ, when we see that we can see in the darkness, we can see the night clearly, that, that the night isn't as intimidating as it once was before we could see so clearly. 
But the problem is, just like in the military, the first time you go to war, the first time you put on your night vision goggles, the first time you, you start to shoot your gun is not in the night. We must train in the daylight. Likewise, if your soul is cast down, if you are in the pit of sadness right now, hoping in God and that instruction of hope in the Lord may not be enough right now to pull you out. It is enough, but your mind may not be able to focus in on that right now. It's going to be, have to be a, a constant reminder to you. It's going to be a long-term effect that's going to take place. For those that aren't currently in the pit of the downcast soul, this is the training time. This is where we must remind ourselves over and over and over again. When life is good, when things just seem to be going along perfectly, when your soul is not cast into the pit, this is when we practice hoping in God. This is when we remind ourselves that we hope in the Lord. Because that time, when it comes, when it comes, when your soul is cast down, the training and the practice you had in the light will help you lift out of that pit and put your eyes back onto our Lord. And for those dealing with someone that their soul is cast down in this moment, you're not in that pit with them. I'm not commanding you. The Scripture doesn't call you to jump into the pit of sadness with them, but to be present with them. Continue to put their focus on the Lord. And that's why we're going to focus and, and talk about the glorious reign of Christ to lift our hearts, our souls, and our eyes out of the dark pit of sadness and unto the heavens. So now, let us get to our text. That was the introduction. No worries, though. We're going to get through this just fine. Turn to Revelation 5, verses 1 through 10. This is an interesting passage to be examining the downcast soul, is it not? Most people don't think, oh, if I'm sad, how do I become how do I become hopeful in the Lord? How do I get out of the pit of my downcast soul? I should read Revelation. If, if you think that, I want you to read Revelation because this is a letter of victory. This is the hymn of the warriors that have won the battle. This is the hymn as we proceed, as we follow after Christ into His new kingdom. We're singing the song of Revelation because we recognize the victory that's found in Christ and Christ alone. So let us read Revelation 5, verses 1 through 10. And think about how our downcast souls are lifted out of the pit. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, and which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. 
And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and every language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. John's giving us an insight to the heavenly realm. John receives this vision while he's in prison. You think he had the right to be cast down while he's enslaved and imprisoned? Separated from his family and his loved ones? uh, Put onto an island to essentially suffer out there because he proclaimed the gospel. And now while he's in heaven, he he starts to see the the heavenly realms open up. We start to get a glimpse into what's happening there. And John sees a scroll. And on the scroll, he recognizes that it's completely written on. Every, every piece of it has written on, both the, the, the outside and the inside is, is covered in writing. And this scroll is sealed up with the seven seals. And, God, and John recognizes and understands what this scroll is. Essentially, this scroll that's in the heavenly realms, which John sees, is the deed to all of creation. All of creation is on that scroll. Whoever possesses and reads the scroll is the owner of creation. Whoever possesses and opens that scroll, reads it, is the king. He's the ruler. But we also see on that same scroll, the seals are placed on it. And we, if we would read through all of Revelation, we would see that each one of those seals is a judgment and a wrath that's poured out upon sinful men poured out upon Israel for being rebellious, poured out upon the fallen creation. And John starts to weep. I think there's quite a few reasons why John's weeping here. It's because one of the problems is he's starting to think about and start to believe that no one is able to open up the seals, to crack those seals and pour out the judgment upon the wicked. John's starting to believe and thinks there's no hope. All this sin around me, all the fallenness around me, all the corruption around me, there will never be justice poured out upon them. He's, he's starting to believe that there's no hope, that, that, that sin will just get away with, that, that the, the wicked one will just continue to prosper and grow stronger and stronger. And he starts to weep. The other problem that John has, the other reason we see John start to weep, is that he believes there's no hope for all of creation. He sees the heavenly realms. He sees the deed of all of creation. And it appears as though no one can take control. No one can take ownership of creation. Who can do this? Who's powerful enough to do it? He's looking at the angels. The angels aren't doing it. He's looking at these elders in heaven, these these angelic beings of angels and these mighty men of the elders that are in the heavenly realms, in the presence of God, and they can't open it. And now, John's saying, there's no hope. I can't. John's looking at himself going, I'm just a, I'm a prisoner on an island here on this earth. How am I going to break the seals? And he starts to weep. He starts to cry out. He believes that there's no hope for redemption. There's no hope for this world. His soul is crushed. He's, he's downcast in this moment. He hears the angels crying out, who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And he recognizes that no one is worthy to open it. 
When we are downcast, do we feel the same way, do we not? Who, who can make this right? Who can make this wrong right? Who can make the pain of death not sting anymore? Who can forgive sin that seems to be crushing me and weighing me down? Who can make my enemies stop persecuting me? Who can end these trials that bring me such pain? And when you're in the pits, when you're cast down, you believe there's no hope. But listen to what the elders tell John in verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Weep no more. The doubt you have, the pain you have, the sadness you have can end now. How can it end? Is behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. He hasn't just, he's going to conquer. It's not that he, he might win the victory. It's not that in a thousand years he's going to win. No, he has conquered. The victory is won in Christ. So that he, who can? He, the one that conquered. Who conquered? Christ. He can open the scroll and its seven seals. Who can pour out the judgment upon sin? Who can place the wrath upon the wicked? The one that conquered. The one who defeated sin and death. That's Christ. Who takes ownership of this world? Who, who's, whose creation is it? Who's the redeemer of it all? Who's the king of kings? It's Christ. It's the one who's conquered sin and death. The very thing that you and I can never conquer on our own. The very thing that will weigh us down into eternity if it was not for the work of Christ on our behalf. The only way for the downcast soul to be lifted up is to recognize that Christ's victory is for both now and into eternity. Yes and amen, we look to the heavens. Yes and amen, we look to the glory of, of eternity to dwell and spend with our Creator. But if you're just waiting, if you're saying, I just have to deal with the downcast soul now, I, I live out this life, and then I get to heaven, and everything will be made right, then my soul will be lifted up, you're missing the victory of Christ on the cross. You're missing how Christ died, was buried in a grave, and rose from the dead on this earth, not in the heavenly places. On this earth he rose from the dead. We have hope in that risen Lord. This is the hope we have, that our downcast souls can and will be lifted up in this air, in this life, and also into eternity. How does this happen? How does us placing hope in a creator, how does us hope, placing our hope in in Christ, that he has taken victory over all. How does that happen now? Well, let us take the causes that we spoke about in the beginning, and let's use these as our example. And let us start to place these principles on any other situation that we can't address in just one sermon. How does our downcasted soul, the sadness and pain of loss, start to be lifted up? How do we start to see the victory in Christ even while we weep for the loss? Well, we recognize that there's resurrection. As I mentioned before, we see Christ himself. While he's in his earthly ministry, he finds out that his dear friend Lazarus has died. And he starts to weep. He starts to cry out. But if you know the story, we know in just a few verses, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Do you think he forgot that in that time? Do you think Jesus, oh, I found out my friend's dead, and man, I didn't even think about it. I could raise him. No, he's, he's experiencing the human world that he is taking on flesh in. He's experiencing what we feel. We should feel the pain of death. 
that should mourn us because it's showing the sin in this world. It's showing that we live in a fallen world. But what does he do? We place our hope. He places his hope and recognizes that there is a resurrection. That we will see victory in the end. We will see the resurrection of the dead. We will take on resurrected bodies in the end. How does this give us hope today? We can wake up tomorrow. We can do it again. We can continually look at our Lord. We can continually look to His victory on the cross. May we be reminded of our sin in death, but may we look to Him. Look at verse 6 in Revelation 5. This is, this is my, favorite, my favorite imagery in all of Scripture. If, I could, if we put stained glass windows in, in this church someday, this will be one of the stained glass images we have there, if I have a say in, in this. Verse 6, And behold, the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing. All right, so the lamb is alive, right? He's standing. But, but listen to this, as though it had been slain. Wait, isn't that an oxymoron? Don't they go against one another? If he's slain, he's dead. But no, this lamb's standing. This is our Lord. That while he died on the cross, he now stands in victory. While the world, the enemy, thought they'd won because the, the God-man, the Son of God, came and died on a cross, they thought they'd won. I think the enemy had about three days that they were pretty happy. Oh, how their souls, they were crushed on the third day. They were crushed when they recognized that our Lord stands in victory. Yes, he appears to be slain, but he is standing victoriously. And we read in 1 Corinthians, if our Lord has been resurrected to a new to new life. If our Lord, while dead, has a resurrected body, we too will have a resurrected body. Brothers and sisters, we have hope that we will be resurrected. We will dwell with the saints in eternity. Those that have already passed, have faith in Christ, we will see them in new and resurrected bodies and we will live with them forever. May we take hope that there is a resurrection. Second, what about sin? How do we deal with sin? When our souls are downcast because of our sins, what do we do? Well, look at verse 9. And they sang a new song. Listen to the song that, that the elders are singing. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. When our souls are cast down because of our sin, how do we have hope in God? It's because we know that we have forgiveness in Christ. We have forgiveness in Christ of your sins in the past and the sins that you will commit in the future. When you're weighted down because of your sin, when that guilt and that shame is holding you down, when you feel your body aching because of your sin, confess it and know that you're forgiven. Confess your sin. This is the beauty of Christianity. This is the beauty of our Savior, that we don't have to wear the guilt and the shame of our sin any longer because Christ has paid for it on the cross. This is why we have hope. This is why we can wake up the next morning. Right after we sin, we can wake up, confess our sins, and know that we are forgiven in Christ's blood and His blood alone. It wasn't a physical lamb. It wasn't a little wooly thing. That wasn't sufficient. It wasn't your good deeds. It wasn't you saying, sorry, 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 I'll try harder next time. That's not sufficient. The hope we have is that it's Christ and Christ alone. That He took on the wrath that you and I deserve. This is a beautiful truth. This is what lifts up the downcasted soul. What about persecution? What about when the enemies are surrounding us? 
When it appears as though there's victory at the enemy's hand, as though we have lost the battle, what about that when our souls are cast down? Well, we see in the same song in the beginning of that, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Remember what the seals are. It's the judgment and wrath of God to be poured out upon the earth. We have hope. We know that our enemies will be destroyed. Some of us don't like that language, but there's two forms of destruction. I've said this before. The first form of destroying the enemies is becoming children of God through faith in Christ. You once were the enemy of God, and your enemy status has been destroyed through faith in Christ, and now your identity is a child of God. So that's the first possible destruction of the enemy. The second possible destruction of the enemy, which is what we see in the opening of the seals, is that they will be destroyed. They will be destroyed and punished into eternity. Is there an injustice in your life that you just think that there's, that it, th- this isn't fair? This person has wronged me, and, and the court system failed me. My friends failed me. They believe that person, but I know the injustice happened, and there's just no way that I can prove it here on this earth. There's nothing that seems to be solving this problem. The injustice is just is gone unchecked. We'll take assurance that that injustice, in the end, will be atoned for, either by the blood of Christ or by the punishment of the sinner. We have hope in this. This should lift us up out of the pits when we're downcasted because of persecution. And lastly, what about trials? How are we lifted up? How are the, the downcast soul lifted up in trials? Brothers and sisters, remind yourself, remind your brothers, remind your, your loved ones of their identity. You are in God's kingdom. Look at verse 10. The elders continue to sing, and you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. You live in God's kingdom. This isn't a, this isn't a distance, unrealistic, ununderstandable kingdom. This is a present-day kingdom here now. Who owns all of creation? The Lord. Who owns the heavens and the earth? The Lord. Who owns you? Redeemed by the blood of Christ, it's the Lord. We can live this way. As the trials are around us and they feel bearing and they are bearing, they do bring us sadness. We can take hope that this all belongs to God. It may not make sense to us right now. We may see as though, no, 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 this is, this is, this is out of God's control, but may we rest assured that it is under the sovereign control of our sovereign Lord. Nothing is outside of his control. It's his kingdom. He's working it out as he sees fit. And in the end, all things will be made right. But what about that unknowable effect of the downcasted soul? What about that aspect that we can't put our finger on that our souls are downcast? Anthony, how will my soul be lifted up? How will this lift my soul up if I can't even identify why my soul is casted down? Well, just like everything else, look with hope to God. It's hard. It's hard to say, especially when you're in the pit. It's really hard for someone to be on top of the pit looking down and say, just hope, right? Oh, just hope. That's how you get better. It's one of my failures as a husband many times is my wife will come with a problem. You know what? This, this bothers me. This has upset me. And my response is, well, don't be upset, right? Isn't that how we solve the problem? If, if 
If your arm's broken and it hurts when you touch it, don't touch your arm. And that's how this kind of sounds to those in the pit right now. It's how it sounds when you're, when you're saddened and someone just says, hope in the Lord, hope in God. And that's why we have to be reminded that we practice this. We train ourselves in the light. Because when you're in the pit, your mind's blind, your eyes are often blind. But when you're out of that pit, in those moments, you must place your hope back in the Lord. You must focus back on the Lord. We see that in the psalmist. This Psalm 43, he's crying out, why, am I why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil? He's crying out. He's in that moment. And then he's able to turn back and place his hope in the Lord. The very next verse, he cries out again in the same form, asking why his soul is downcast. And then he can turn back and look to the Lord. This may be your rhythm the rest of your life, brother and sister. You're in the pit. Your soul's downcast. You're saddened. You have to remind yourself. Someone has to lift your eyes, place your hope in the Lord. An event's going to happen in all of our lives. We'll all lose someone close to us. We will all face trials. We will all sin. We will all face persecution at some point in our lives. And you'll, your soul will be cast down into that pit. Remind, reminder, this isn't the sin. Being downcast is not the sin. But how do we respond? Do we push, put our hope, do we place our hope in God? This doesn't mean, listen, when you lose a family member, doesn't mean, okay, you weep for one minute and then you place your hope in God and everything's fine. No, 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 no. This isn't that situation. But as you're in that morning, you place your hope in God. You continue to mourn. You place your hope in God. And the rest of your life, as you mourn the loss of that loved one, you continue to place your hope in God and know that there is a victory in Christ. You know that there is hope in the eternal. This is how we do this as Christians. This isn't a microwave situation. We don't just take the pill, take the, hope, the pill of hope, and you're going to be fixed tomorrow. No, this is the continued rhythm of the downcasted soul, which is the world we live in, in this fallen world. Brothers and sisters, lift your eyes to Christ. If you don't know this, you say, there's no hope for me. I don't know this Christ. I don't know how this, this lamb, how is he standing yet slain? Because And, and my sin, I, I don't know how to solve my sin problem. Come talk to myself, Pastor Matt, Jason. We love to, to point your, your eyes to Scripture to show that Christ is the only way to salvation. Christ is your only hope. If you're not a believer in Christ this morning, your soul can't be lifted out of the pits. There's nothing you can do to get yourself out of the pit. You can go do the self-help books that's going to make you feel good for a moment but it will never lift you out of that pit truly. It is not until you recognize who Christ is, the Lamb who stands in victory even though He had been pierced and slain on our behalf. Let us pray. Oh, glorious Lord, we thank You for the truth of the victory that we have in Christ. We thank You that while our souls are downcasted, we know that we will face these trials. We know that we will face sadness in our life. We have hope in Christ. We have hope in the risen Lord. We have hope that You are the Redeemer of all. Remind us daily. Remind us moment by moment of the victory Christ has. Remind us that You are Lord over all. Remind us that this is Your kingdom we are living in. We are Your children. Lord, I pray that we, we openly cry out to You in pain. We admit our sorrows. We admit when our souls are downcast. 
Lord, I ask that you give us the strength to be honest with one another. May we be honest with our, our neighbors to our left and our right to, to cry out and say, we, we are downcast in this moment. Lord, give those brothers and sisters, give the neighbors wisdom and how to love, how to graciously and mercifully remind them of their hope in the Lord. May we not use this idea of hope as a sledgehammer just to crush someone even more, but may, may it be the tool, may it be the, the, the bondage that bounds up our wounds. And even in the pain of our sorrow, we continue to place our hope in you. I ask this in the name of our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.